The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Uh, welcome to Thirsty Thursday. Big night on WTMJ Nights. Two hours, we're going to jam about two and a half hours worth of show into that time. Glad you're with us. 855-616-1620 is the WTMJ talk and text line. Get involved in the program. That makes it more fun, doesn't it? If you call in, you'll be talking to Justin. He is producing the big broadcast. Be nice to him and you get to me. That's how we do it. Uh, I never thought, I was listening very closely to Wyatt's newscast, and I never thought I would think to myself, you know what I should get into? Egg smuggling. Uh, I was just reading a, another story about how expensive eggs were and that specialty eggs are up to about $9 a dozen. A regular dozen eggs is about 5 bucks. We've talked about this before, the bird flu, all these different things having an effect on the price of eggs. Yet, as Americans, we are still eating eggs. And now I hear from Wyatt and ABC News that people are trying to smuggle eggs into the country. This might be... This might be my new racket. Because I remember when we used to just worry about people smuggling drugs in? Remember when that was a thing? And, you know, maybe smuggling people in, uh, that's a thing. But I never thought I would hear people smuggling eggs in. It'd be like if somebody was trying to smuggle, you know, Mexican Coke into, and not Coca-Cola, you know, the, uh, the real sugar stuff, trying to get that in here. So I don't know. Are you an egg eater, Justin? Yeah, I like eggs. I thought that story was hilarious, though. Me and Wyatt were laughing about it uh, right after shortly. Yeah, I'm I'm picturing Smokey and the Bandit. I'm picturing uh, Jerry Reed in a truck with a big dog, and they've loaded it up with eggs, and then a Burt Reynolds type is running point to try to break through, and they get to the they get to the border, and you know that that right there. Whether there's anything to declare. Yeah, I've got a truckload of cocaine back there. All right, you're not bringing any eggs across, are you? No, <laughs> we would never do that. That's illegal to bring eggs across. What are you, nuts? Yeah. So I thought, it, I couldn't believe it. I thought maybe it was like a story from The Onion when, when Wyatt started to report it. And then, you know, then they bring in ABC News and the big honchos are like, oh, well, this, this must be serious. I could, I don't know, $10,000 fine doesn't seem that high, does it? If you're, you know, if you're smuggling eggs, if you get caught, the problem with smuggling eggs, and you can tell I've given this, I've given this way too much thought. If you're smuggling other things, they're not really breakable, unless somehow you're smuggling vases from the Ming Dynasty. You know, some sort of fragile art artifacts. Eggs, eggs is tough, because you can't really hide them anywhere. You know, it's not like with drugs where they can pull the door, uh, the inside of the door off and pack your doors with it and then put the covers back on. Eggs, you, you pretty much have to be in a refrigerated truck and the eggs can't be moving around. So this, logistically, I have to put some more thought into this. But I think, you know, I think I could probably come up with it. You know what we do? Uh, last night we were talking about the Wienermobile and the Planners Mobile and all those all the mobile mobiles. That's how you do it. Cause who who at the border is going to, you know, really thoroughly check the Wienermobile? Little do they know it's a wiener filled with eggs. 
and you just come across everything's good. All right, well, I've given that enough thought. Uh, I can't uh, I can't be doing that. I have to apologize to you, Justin, at the uh, beginning of the show before before any bad blood uh, or starts to coagulate because I'm not one of these people, and maybe you are, that usually responds to texts and calls from the bathroom. It's always <laughs> been something that I, I don't know if I've prided myself on it, but I've always I've always kind of had a line in the sand. But right before the show, I had to run to the restroom, and I get a panicked text from Justin. And I knew if I didn't respond right then, it might lead to something something more. And so I responded, and I I shouldn't have let you know where I was. That was that, that was where I was mistaken. I could have just texted you back, but in a moment of twelve year old boy adolescence, I decided to tell you exactly where I was so you would picture what I was doing. And I apologize for that. <laughs> you won't even talk to me. Oh my god. You won't even We're not on talking terms even, anymore. I know. It's it's very <laughs> I'm so, I uh, yeah I don't blame you. I no, wouldn't talk see, to you I see. I respect the urgent text back though. See, that's that's that, that was a very important thing for you to do because it was an important text at the time. I knew it was an important text, and if I had waited, I I knew there would have been something that uh, you know you you would have been filled with anxiety, and I that's the last thing I want to do. The only anxiety I want to heap on you is when we're actually on the air. I don't want any anxiety when you're off the air. But how many people do it? Have you? Is this something you do? Would you text text somebody back from the uh, from the water closet? Sure. I mean, of course. Really? I, that, that's the first thing I do when I'm uh, laying a deuce. I would say is uh, I'm on my phone. Wow. All right. Graphic at the dinner hour. <laughs> that seems I, harsh. I'm, I'm on my phone. You know, I'm checking. I'm responding back to texts, especially if it's an important one like uh, we had encountered right before the show. Well, see, I I don't usually. If I'm, first of all, I I have to stop this. I have to stop taking my phone into the bathroom because it's gross. Just the thought of your phone in the bathroom is gross, and yet we all do it. If you're if you're a person who doesn't take your phone into the bathroom, one, I'm not sure I believe you, and two, if it is true, good for you because I I take it in there because I find, to be honest, that's really the only time I have some downtime, little a, a few minutes to myself. And so I can scroll through Instagram or check Facebook or check some emails, but I normally don't respond because I don't want to think of anybody responding to me from that locale. Which now, uh, Jordan or Justin, I'm gonna I'm gonna believe that you are uh, you are gonna text me from there all the time, uh, from the four one four very unfortunate uh, location where he is texting us from right now. Uh, so I we don't we won't get into that. Uh, this is an interesting question. So, so Justin, I do apologize. From the 262, do you think they have egg-sniffing dogs? I don't know. Because what else smells like? Like, what smells like rotten egg? There's got to be something else that you could put in there to kind of throw the dogs off. But I would imagine they've got to have dog uh, egg-sniffing dogs. they got to have some way. But again, how do you disguise an egg truck? That's what, that's what I'm running into. Um... The cartels, according to Al in Richfield, the cartels run the avocado industry now. Go where the money is. You know what? I heard that, Al. I've heard that because there was the big, uh, there's the big 
avocado shortage and the prices are going up. And so the drug cartels have gotten into that business. So now they're probably going to see now that I know the cartels are into the avocado business, they've got to be eyeing the egg business. And the last thing I want to do is get into a get into a beef with some cartel. You know, find my head in a barrel. They send it to they send it to Justin and just cause him more anxiety. We said, <laughs> "Oh, right before the show, I got to open this barrel and there's my head bobbing around in there with an egg stuffed in its mouth." I paint a pretty picture, don't I? And I have a really, uh, really twisted mind. But anyway, I don't. Uh, I'll see. I'll see about it. If not, what? If not, we should start a. We we need to start a community outreach where if you find eggs at a cheap price, you gotta let us know so we can pass the word around. Don't hoard them all. I don't want this to become like a, a toilet paper thing or a antibacterial wipes. Thing, like at the beginning of the pandemic. But if you're getting eggs under, I, I don't know, if you're getting eggs for around three bucks a dozen, I want to know where you shop. Because I want to swing by. Yesterday I was in the store, oh man, big sign, they were very excited, $4.99. I'm like, don't get excited about $4.99. $4.99 is nothing to get excited about. People are getting excited uh, for a number of reasons down in uh, New Mexico because... Big news popping out of there today. We'll get into that and so much more. It's WTMJ Nights. This is WTMJ Nights. She was making for the trades on the outside. And the downhill run to Papa Hey, it's Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talking text line. Old National Bank, get old. Oh boy, we get we're getting a few more uh, people jumping in about the uh, my apology to Justin for texting him from the latrine and uh, from the two six two. One situation I'll never understand: people I've seen in all the years since we've had mobile phones conducting what sounds like business calls from public restrooms. That's crazy, yet I've witnessed it over and over again, often at airports. I have as well. I think most of us, if you... I was about to say if you spend any time in restrooms, and most of us spend some time in restrooms, but we're not, you know, hanging out. But yes, you've heard people. And guys are the worst, because guys have no shame when they're using their phone. And it just... uh, It is silly, and you wonder, how careful are these people being with business details? And... Do you really want, because let's be honest, it's a little echoey. And do you want, if it's a prospective client, for them to go, hey, where are you calling me from, a well? Uh, not really. I'd rather not say. But let's let's move on. Somebody also sent me a meme, uh, and I love a good meme. This is a refrigerator door full of eggs, but they're all loose. It says, I go to Walmart every day and put five eggs in my pocket. I do not condone shoplifting. But I also do not condone $9 for a dozen eggs. If you've been following along with this, uh, this case in Santa Fe with the acclaimed actor Alec Baldwin, you know, he was on the set of a movie called Rust. It it's, was a Western. It ceased production because during production, Baldwin was holding a, a gun that went off and it killed the cinematographer and injured the director. Well, there's been a lot of talk since then about what was going to happen. Would 
would anyone face charges? Well, today, uh, New Mexico's first judicial district attorney, Mary Carmack Altweiss, yes, she did. She charged Alec Baldwin with two counts of involuntary manslaughter and the fatal shooting of the cinematographer on the set of Rust. Baldwin has said all along that he, he did not uh, know that the gun was loaded and that he never pulled the trigger on the gun and that the New Mexico prosecutor's decision was a terrible miscarriage of justice. Uh, I don't think it's a terrible miscarriage of justice. I think when you're talking about involuntary manslaughter, it is just that. A death was caused. You didn't mean to do it, but you did it. And, you know, there was a, there's a lot of framing this as a tragic accident, which, of course, it, it, it was. All the, all the police investigations, the FBI, everything says there, there's no evidence that there was any intent that this was accidental. But according to the law and according to New Mexico law in particular, that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. Just because it's an accident doesn't mean that it's not criminal. Um, according to the district attorney, quote, our involuntary manslaughter statutes covers unintentional killings. Unintentional, that means they didn't mean to do it, they didn't have the intent to kill, but it happened anyway, and it happened because of more than mere negligence. They didn't exercise due caution or circumspection, and that's what happens here. She claims she's got more than enough evidence to uh, support the charges and bring the case to trial. It's uh, it's rough. They they said what, they, uh, what the district attorney is saying is they interviewed a lot of A-list celebrities and a lot of armorers. Those are the people who handle all the uh, the firearms on a movie set. And according to according to the district attorney, all these A-list celebrities, actors, everybody they talked to said they always check the guns to make sure that there's uh, nothing live in there or someone stands directly in front of them, opens the weapon, shows them that there's nothing in there, or that there's no live rounds, and then gives it to them. And the FBI has also said, disputing Alec Baldwin's big claim that th there was no chance that he uh, pulled the trigger, the FBI forensics lab, which uh, not too shabby, let's be honest, these scientists at the FBI forensics labs know what they're doing. They said there is absolutely no way that the weapon he was holding could go off without the trigger being pulled. There's there's absolutely no way. So somebody pulled the trigger, and the gun was in Alec Baldwin's hands. So, yeah, I mean, it's horrible. I'm a fan of Alec Baldwin as an actor. I thought he was, uh, I, I think he's a great actor. I like seeing him on different things. I think he's hilarious when he hosts Saturday Night Live. Uh, you may not have liked him as Donald Trump. I thought he was very, very funny as Donald Trump. But when he's hosted in the past, he's very funny. I loved him on 30 Rock. I loved him in all kinds of movies. I'm a fan, so it doesn't it doesn't bring me any joy to say, yeah, these these charges are legit. And, you know, he's being charged as an actor because he was the one who actually had the gun in his hand when it went off. And he's also being charged as a producer because... The set has had a lot had had 
had a lot of complaints about safety. They had have some, had some misfires with weapons on the set before this incident happened. And then, uh, you know, nothing was done. So according to investigators, the set was very, very, quote unquote, fly by night and not uh, not the safest place to be working. So they did not uh, they did not like that. But yeah, so Alec Baldwin is uh, Alec Baldwin is being charged. Uh, Baldwin was holding the gun. This from the 262 when it caused the death and injury. Plus, he's in charge of production. Hence, he is criminally criminally negligent regardless of whether it was an accident. Yes, that's what I said. Yes, that is uh, that is that is what I said. He is criminally negligent and you know, and a- accident, I'll quote I'll quote the district attorney again, just because it's an accident doesn't mean it's not criminal. And that's that's exactly what we have here. She also said that just because somebody's an actor doesn't mean they're going to get a free pass, which I'm sure people thought of. The victims' uh, families, through their attorneys, said they're happy that this is moving forward, that something is going to uh, something's going to be done. So that is that. All right, got to take a quick break. Then we'll come back. It'll be almost news time on WTMJ. This is WTMJ Nights. That I saw. Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. That is laughing. David Crosby, news breaking just a couple hours ago that David Crosby has died at the age of 82. 81, just about 82. Uh, David Crosby, of course, you know him from, maybe you remember him from The Birds. You really know him from Crosby, Stills, and Nash, then Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Had a wonderful solo career, uh, just one of the uh, one of the founders of that California sound of rock and roll, and uh, a, guy, a really really great talent. Was making music all the way up to the end. Released a, an album just a year or two ago. Uh, he was born born August fourteenth in Los Angeles. Uh, very active on social media. He was even tweeting yesterday. He joked on Twitter about a post claiming people with tattoos will not go to heaven. He replied, I heard the place is overrated, cloudy. Uh, This is the statement that was sent out by his family. It is with great sadness after a long illness that our beloved David Crosby has passed away. He was lovingly surrounded by his wife and soulmate Jan and son Django. Although he is no longer here with us, his humanity and kind soul will continue to guide and inspire us. His legacy will continue to live on through his legendary music. Peace, love, and harmony to all who knew David and those he touched will miss him dearly. At this time, we respectfully and kindly ask for privacy as we grieve and try to deal with our profound loss. Thank you for the love and prayers. That is the statement. Once again, released by his family. Uh, David Crosby also, you know, obviously an unbelievably talented musician, producer. He produced produced, uh, Joni Mitchell's debut album. When it came out, uh, he had a big solo album in 1971. If I could remember my name, that had Nash, uh, Young, Joni Mitchell, Grateful Dead, all kinds of folks on there. He was also known, uh, unfortunately, for 
his uh, in the 70s and 80s, his addictions, his alcoholism, his drug addiction. He was arrested twice on guns and weapons charge, drug and weapons charges. Rather, he spent uh, almost a year in jail in Texas. He had a liver transplant surgery in 1994. Uh, one thing they left out. This is a story I will always remember. He was asked by Melissa Etheridge to um, donate his seed so that uh, Melissa and her partner could have a baby. This uh, this uh, hurts. I, I'm a huge Crosby, Stills, and Nash fan. I heard an interview with David Crosby just maybe a year or so ago on Howard Stern, and he was it was great. He was still very with it. His new music sounded great. He was doing it with his son. It was just, it was wonderful. And as I was sitting here thinking about this, right before the show, I was wondering, why do musicians, not magicians, I'm sorry, why do musicians' deaths seem to affect us a little more than other celebrity deaths? You know, if we hear about a famous actor, we make, oh, that's too bad. But when we hear about one of our favorite musicians dying, it really... It gets to us, and I think that's because music is so intimate and means so many different things to all of us. There's songs that you would hear from one of your famous artists, and it it can bring back every memory of where you were when you first heard that song. Um, where you were, how many of us can remember a song that brings us back to a breakup? or brings us back to a happy romance, or the first time we saw our kid or our spouse, the first time we got, you know, the first dance we had at a school dance where you met the person you thought was going to be the love of your life, and they were one of those fleeting first loves that last for a couple months and then were gone. I think because music can do that to us, that's why we get so emotionally invested in the artists that create that, because they've given us a gateway to memories that we probably wouldn't have had without it. It's different than watching a movie. It's different than a TV show or a book. There's something so intimate about music the, the last time I felt this sad was when uh, Glenn Fry from the Eagles died. I was, uh, I was upset about that, too. And when Eddie Van Halen died. Because those, you know, the Eagles and Van Halen were two, are still, two big important bands to me. And their music can remind me of all sorts of stuff, from really happy memories to not. So... We've gone through a lot of these musician deaths, and I'm wondering which ones hit you the hardest. Was it Prince? Was it John Lennon when he was assassinated? Uh, George Harrison? You know, any number of really, really talented people who touched your life, and we didn't know them. I, I don't know David Cros. I never knew David Crosby. I didn't know Eddie Van Halen, but. They were part of my life, still are part of my life, and will be part of my life until I'm gone. 
So I think that's why we grieve them differently. And let's be, we're not, you know, maybe maybe some people are crying. If that's how you grieve, that's fine. But it's one of those things, we're not, we're going to get past this, obviously, but we take a few minutes. You take a few minutes, and grieve may be the wrong word, but I don't think it is, because you're grieving the loss of someone who brought something into your life. And I don't know, it's, it's rough. So if you want to text in, please do. It is the, uh, the old bank talking text line. Get old. 855-616-1620. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Juice World was very sad for me. That was, I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar with Juice Was that uh, recently? Yeah. Do you that know was, Juice World, Justin? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was a big Juice World guy. Um, I think Now, maybe. he was part of what group? He, he, wasn't he part of a, a group? No, he was he was a no. solo artist. Um, he was actually probably close to like 23, 20. Oh, man. Could, could, definitely younger than 25. Um, very good artist. Chicago, great, just fantastic. Everyone my age and younger, even older, a little bit older than me, definitely knows who Juice World is. Now, I, I guess I can, and th- that's awfully that young, uh, I confused him with the the guy who was shot uh, recently. He was part of a a me- oh boy, this is this is me showing my age. No, I'm I'm thinking I want to for say you, something amigos. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lo- uh huh. You know uh, what I'm talking about. I don't want to say the wrong one, but it's I I know. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, I think it's takeoff, but I don't want to say the wrong one. Uh, it's something. Yeah, I'll, I'll, something I'll look like it up. That. But yeah, that was also very sad. Uh, th- that's another group that I personally listen to a lot. Is Migos? They're, yeah, so that, Migos, that's another yeah. sad one. That was a, That was rough. Uh, somebody texting in from the six three six. Chris Cornell it was heartbreaking, especially when you know when when artists take their own lives. It's hard. Elvis, somebody texting in. Yeah, that was, I remember, see, now I I was young when Elvis died. But I remember that day drive, being in the car with my mom and two of my brothers. The other two weren't born yet. And we were listening to Top 40 Radio, and they came on and talked about Elvis dying. And it was, it was rough. Uh, Doug says Elvis was a shocker. Michael Jackson, too. Glenn Fry. Uh, Lying Eyes is my favorite song. So many memories. Dan in Whitefish Bay, I think we think of the concert we saw them at and where I saw them at Arizona, Arizona State University in Phoenix. Yeah, it's you do you you bring back not only the songs in that memory you can remember when you saw them. There's a lot of uh, a lot of. We're getting a lot of texts. We'll keep revisiting this. If you want to call in and share a story, that's fine too. David Crosby. Uh, unfortunately, dead at 81, one of the original members of the Birds, and then, of course, Crosby, Stills, Nash. Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, his own solo career. Um, known lately by a lot of people on Twitter because he would he would pick feuds, feuds with people. He would start he started a feud with Ted Nugent. He goes at, he went after professional wrestlers. He demeaned the Doors and Jim Morrison all the time. He would be really honest. Uh, about bands he hated and really, really honest about songs and artists that he liked. So David Crosby, dead at 81. We're talking about the musician deaths that hit you the hardest on WTMJ Nights. (laughs) 
the ultimate protest songs. Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Ohio. Now, that was young on there, too, CSNY. Uh, we're talking about this because David Crosby has passed away at the age of 81, surrounded by family, friends, um, family and friends, a long uh, illness. But as I said, he was producing music right up to the end, uh, was tweeting up through yesterday. So David Crosby, uh, you and this, I say this, and I don't mean it in a way, you know, in just a hacky way. He was the voice of a generation. He and uh, Nash and Young and Stills, they were part of a generation that I don't know if we're going to see. Now, I say that being an older guy, and I know there's a lot of new music that's coming out that speaks to younger generations, and that's great, and that's how it should be. Uh, but, you know, if you were if you were born, like, I, by the time I was listening to music, Crosby, Stills, and Nash had been around for a long, long time, you know. Uh, but if you were born in the, if you came of age in the 60s, this was what you were listening to. Um, a lot of texts coming in. Let me get to a couple. First, uh, Justin, you were right. When you said takeoff was Migos, yeah, uh, and yeah. that was a that was a very sad another young another young artist taken way too soon. Um, from the four one four, Stevie Ray Vaughan hit me hard. I had tickets to the Alpine Valley show and didn't go. Uh, from the two six two, Karen Carpenter's death from anorexia way too young was tragic. When I was a young adult, I loved her iconic voice. From the nine two zero, I'm a huge fan of Rush and have been for many years. Neil Peart's passing was very sad to me. It was shocking as nobody knew he was sick. He was an amazing drummer and lyricist. Still listen to their music today. And that that is one thing that even when these musicians are gone, people will be able to listen to David Crosby for the rest of, you know, the time that Earth is around <laughs> and maybe past if stuff gets shot into space and somebody's rocking to uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash you know, on some other planet. Uh, none more devastating than John Lennon ever. That from the 262. I'm sure that's another one where I remember exactly where I was when I heard that news. I was sitting at the dining room table doing homework. I was in high school, and my dad and a couple of my brothers were watching the football game. Many of you remember Howard Cosell broke into Monday Night Football to announce that John Lennon had been shot. And, um, yeah, that was that was a rough one, too. That was a rough one, too. Dan is in uh, Sebring, Florida, wants to jump on. Hi, Dan. Hello, Brian. I concur with your statement that John Lennon was the most tragic and most senseless because he was assassinated by a psychopath. And right. the Beatles were the greatest composers of our modern-day generation, and their songs will survive for millennia. Oh yeah, there's that's like I said, that's the beauty of music. It will it will stay around, and then new generations find it. You know, you may think, okay, my generation loved this kind of music. The next generation is listening to something else, but the next generation is going to rediscover this. Think they are the cutting edge because oh man, have you heard this uh, band Crosby, Stills and Nash? They harmonized like nobody's business. The songs are wonderful. It's fantastic. And you know, if they go up to their grandfather, their grandfather or grandmother are going to go, yeah, I've been listening to them forever. All right. We got to take a quick break. We'll be back in a minute. It's WTMJ nights.
Don't go anywhere. More WTMJ Nights coming up. Talking about the death of David Crosby today at the age of 81. Dan has been holding on. He's in Milwaukee. Hi, Dan. Hey, uh, yeah, I just wanted to interject on the conversation because I feel like even for me, a guy who is about to turn 25 years old, this is a group that's been uh, meaningful for me. I can think of times in my life where I've turned to listen to their music because you're going through a moment or something. And it's very um, it's very strange to find out about this passing. Um, and then also to go off of that previous discussion you and another caller were having, I think that the real death that's going to hit me in the future that I just don't know how I'll deal with is when you find out that Paul McCartney has passed. Yeah. I agree. I agree with you on that one, Dan. Um, I was fortunate enough a couple summers ago to see Paul McCartney. He's been a he's been in my life since I was <laughs> since I was listening to music. So and I yeah, yeah I can't imagine the impact that's going to have on so many people. I mean, for me, being twenty five years old, I'm I'm pretty fortunate because you think of the Beatles, who only came to Milwaukee once. When yeah. they were touring, and Paul McCartney has come to Milwaukee, I think it's like three times within the past years, which is just amazing. Have you got to see? Have you gotten to see him? Yes, I, I, I'm very fortunate to say that he was my first ever concert, and I, I think that it was fantastic to see him play Summerfest, where he was playing at the Marcus. Well, at the time, it was the Marcus Amphitheater. And, you know, that was such a small area to hear him play. It really felt like you were getting an exclusive concert. And then I was also able to go up to uh, Lambeau Field and see him play. Uh, Now that I think about it, I'm corrected. He only played Summerfest and Miller Park. However, he did those other two for Madison and another for Green Bay. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, Dan, I appreciate the call, and it does my heart good to hear a 25-year-old talking about these uh, these older artists. So keep on listening to that kind of stuff. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the call, man. Yeah, it's it's rough. Um, so we've got, just really quick, uh, some of the other artists that people say their deaths really affected them. Uh, Elvis, of course, John Lennon again, uh, Whitney Houston, John Denver, Michael Hutchins. Uh, Jim Croce, Jimi Hendrix, uh, Freddie Mercury, Frank Sinatra. Uh, I was hurt so bad when I found out Eddie Van Halen died. I was a teenager in the 80s. Van Halen was a huge part of my youth. I I feel you 100%, texter from the 262. Uh, Tom Petty passed away right after his huge anniversary tour when he battled through the tour with a bone fracture. Uh, Josh said he's very fortunate to have seen him when he played Summerfest. And uh, Neil Pert says Rick from Jackson. So a lot of uh, a lot of memories. But now we are going to turn after the news to our attention spans. This, well, if you remember, we'll talk about it. Right now we got to do this. That it's news time on WTMJ. You're listening to WTMJ Nights. The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Welcome to hour number two. We're here till eight o'clock. Then it's Brewers Weekly with Don Catronio. 
Uh, hopefully you'll get involved on the old National Bank talk and text line. Old National, get old. 855-616-1620. That's the number you need to call to jump on. Uh, I found it funny that as I was reading this next story and trying to figure out how to talk about it, my attention kept drifting. Because this may, may or may not surprise you, our attention spans are shrinking, according to studies. What is the biggest distraction in your life when you're trying to get something done? And let's, let's take the kids out of it, because we're not talking about kids or uh, family responsibilities. I'm talking about things, I don't know, like anything else, whether it's a lot, oh, I'm going to look at my emails again, or I have to check Facebook. Oh, what's on Instagram? Did I get a TikTok? Uh, let me see if my voicemails are all these things. What do you find you're distracted by? And what have you done to try to fix that? So some people call these squirrel days. Remember, I don't know if you saw the movie Up, the dog Doug. He was always distracted. Squirrel! And he would just run off. So some people call these squirrel days, but... Um, you know, it sounds funny when you say it that way, but a lot of us are having these, according to a professor of informatics at the University of California, studied how digital media impacts our lives, which I think we'll all agree is a lot. Uh, he's got a new book out, The Attention Span, A Groundbreaking Way to Restore Balance, Happiness, and Productivity. There have been decades of research that have tracked the decline of our ability to focus. I will, I will confess to feeling that way a lot lately, where I'll be doing one thing, and then I'll go, oh, I will get distracted. I will go and check email, or I will just, I don't know, whatever, just look something up just for fun. Or if I look something up for something we're going to talk about here, then suddenly I'm going down a rabbit hole of watching a whole bunch of things. I'm like, wait a minute, why did I even start doing this? I don't know. So in 2004, average attention span was measured on a, a screen to be two and a half minutes. So what's that say? You could sit there and you could look at your screen, whether you're at work or whether you're doing something else, you could look at it for two and a half minutes. Now, years later, our attention spans are about 75 seconds, or do you like to say a minute, 15 seconds? which is about a minute, 15 seconds less. All the math majors are going, just say it's half, Brian. Just, just say it's half. So now we can, we, the, the research shows that people can only focus and pay attention to one screen just in how many seconds or how many minutes? How long do you think we can focus now on oh. average? Oh, no. I don't even know. For me, like personally, it's definitely not that long. Uh, maybe, maybe like a a couple minutes at the most. Hey, you are you have a good attention span then. Oh my, forty-seven it, seconds. Oh my, forty-seven gonna, seconds. Oh, I was gonna guess a minute, but I was trying to give us you a little bit close. more. Ugh. No, don't give us any credit. We have we have no control over ourselves. We are we definitely. And I'm the worst at that. I chase rabbits all the time, figuratively, where it's like, oh, 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 oh. 47 seconds you can stare, you can pay attention to a screen before you go, I got, I got to do something else. So people concentrate for less than a minute on a screen. Uh, attention is diverted from an active work project 
it takes about 25 minutes to refocus on the task. <laughs> so if you're at work, and after 47 seconds, you're like, man, I really got to look at something else. Research shows it takes about 25 minutes to get back on track. Oh, man, some of my old bosses would not have put up with that kind of uh, silliness. Research shows it takes 25 minutes, 26 seconds before people go back to the original working sphere or project. Uh, if we look at work in terms of switching projects as opposed to the micro view of switching screens, we find people spend about 10 and a half minutes in any work project before being interrupted. That might be so. Now, I know I know for my wife who works in a law office, that's why she likes working at home because she can focus on one task until it's finished. Whereas the days she has to go into the office, people are always stopping by her office, they're popping their head in, they're doing this and that, and it's like, oh boy. So 10 and a half minutes we get to work before we're interrupted. And then it takes us 25 minutes to get back. We don't always go back to the original work. When we're interrupted on a project, we switch to a different task. That would be project, they're calling it project. So you're working on project one. Somebody interrupts you. You go on to something else, they call them that project two. But then you don't go back to the original one again. You go to a different thing. That's project three. So people interrupt you then too. And here's the other thing. How often have you heard the term multitasking? People think they're so great at multi. Oh, man, I can multitask. I can do a million things at once. They're fooling themselves, and they're fooling us as well. Uh, why? Well, I'll tell you about multitasking, but I want to hear what distracts you the most at work, and how have you fought it? 855-616-1620, the old National Bank, talking text line. More on WTMJ Nights next. Think you're a multitasker? Really not. Especially when at work, they're saying our uh, attention, researchers have said our attention span to pay attention to one screen is an average of 47 seconds. So people think they, they can multitask. I do not. I know I'm better when I only have to do one thing at a time because I do, I do lose focus. Because I have one of those brains that is always uh, jumping around. I don't know if it's good or bad. It just is. And so I don't try to multitask. But we've all run into people, right? Maybe you work with somebody who thinks they can multitask. And they all, they, uh, you know, sometimes they make a pretty good case. You're like, oh, I guess, all right, you're doing some things together. But no. Um, with the exception of a few rare individuals, according to researchers, there is no such thing as multitasking. Now, right now, you're eating dinner, you're listening to the radio, and you're going to send me a nasty tweet and try to at me. But no, I'm sorry, you're, you're, you're not a good multitasker. Unless one of the tasks is automatic, like walking or chewing gum or breathing, you cannot do two effortful things at the same time. So, for example, according to these researchers, you can't read email and be in a video meeting. I find I also can't... If I'm reading something, I can't listen to, like, talk radio. <laughs> I got to turn down uh, the station while I'm reading things because I I get distracted by the people talking. Even music. Like, if a song comes on that I really like and I'm trying to read an article, 
Forget it. I'm singing along. I all of a sudden is like, what was I reading? Why was I reading that? What's what's reading? I don't even know how to read anymore. So you can't read email and be in a video meeting. When you focus on one, you lose the other. They say because you're actually switching your attention very quickly between the two, which makes sense. You know, I listen. I know Justin uh, wants to multitask during the show. He wants to do a lot of things, but he also wants to tune me out. So. I don't blame him for doing doing one thing over another because none of us can do two things. None of us. Um, when you switch your attention, it's correlated with stress, and neither one of us wants a stressful life, do we, Justin? No, we do not. Blood pressure rises. Your heart rate speeds up. Psychological measures of stress also show negative outcomes, uh, such as more fatigue, more mistakes, and less productivity. So why even bother trying to multitask? Who are you kidding? You're going to end up a nervous wreck. You're going to be, uh, you're just going to be a mess. So how can you get your focus back? That's, that's the key, right? All right, Brian, we can only focus on one screen for 47 seconds. We work at our job, and in 10 and a half minutes, somebody comes and they interrupt us. Then when they interrupt us, it takes about 25 minutes to get back to our original task because we went to a project, a second task, and then a third task, and now we're finally back at our original one. Well, According to these same researchers, you need to be mindful of how you're using technology, um, which is tough. So use the technology, they say, to tell you when to take a break. If you're distracted by social media sites, guilty, hide them. Take the icons off your desktop and bury the apps on your phone inside folders. Uh, it's also important to learn to take a break. If you read something more than once or if the words are not registering, it's time to stop and replenish. And they say the best break is to take a walk outside, to stroll about, get out in nature. So there you go. I didn't realize our attention spans were that bad. But if you see, you know, I think back to like when music videos and things started. And then people were getting phones and everything was fast. And then, you know, Vine and TikTok and all these all these social media sites, even Twitter, where originally it was, what, 120 characters, not even. Uh, everything was fast. It had to be fast. If you watched any sort of music video, there were fast jump cuts. Nobody could pay attention to anything. And it just got in our brains. And I don't care how old you are. It, this, is, this is definitely multi-generational. Because I would imagine Justin and I, despite being vastly different in age also have the same sort of ability to be distracted by certain things. Are you easily distracted, Justin, or are you yeah. are you a man who's laser-focused on all your things? No, I definitely get distracted pretty easily. I've always been like that since I could remember with school. Um, but the thing with me, I feel like it definitely helps if what I'm doing or listening to or whatever it may be, if it's something that interests me, I feel like okay. I definitely uh, have a better chance of just like paying attention and keeping my span on that. But if it's something that really will give me a snore, oh, it will be it will be way less than forty seven seconds. I'll tell you that. Oh, so if you like, I have to do one of these. Um, uh, I clicked on a link that I got in an email, and so I have to do one of these training things <laughs> for the company because. I got I got goofed and they tested. Have you been tested by the company with these emails, these crazy emails? Oh yeah, yeah. Did you ever fall victim? 
Oh, I think I think maybe one time, one time. But they well, they, they the- do they do a lot for people that don't know. It's it's a lot of those you get. Yeah, a lot of companies do this. Our company does it too, where they you know they're stressing cybersecurity, which I get because yeah, of course, you know, of course, big company, something goes wrong, some uh, some goofball goes, oh, let me let me open this link, and then. And well, I was at goofball, and you know why I was at goofball? Because I was distracted. Because I was trying to multitask, and I was quickly looking, and I didn't. It, you know, it's one of those things where at first blush it looks looked pretty legit to me, <laughs> until I clicked it, and then this big, you know, red hand comes up and a flag, and uh, it's like, and I, <laughs> I quickly, I quickly clicked out of it, thinking, well, that'll do it. And that was about a week ago. And today I got, you've been registered to take this class. And I know I'm going to be distracted during this class too. Exactly. exactly. So it's like, oh no, I'm caught because I need to pay attention so that I can, well, because they give you those little quizzes. I'm sure everybody at their job uh, has gone through some of these things where they, you know, you take these online classes and then they give you a quiz with like five questions and even if you're paying attention you panic because you're like oh no i hated taking tests in school now i got to take another test and this is oh boy so you know now i got to take this thing and it's you know there's too much anxiety i have i i don't know how to not be distracted because when i'm at home at the office i'm sitting there and i've got two monitors in front of me and a laptop to the side. I've got a lot of distractions happening and I'm not strong enough. I lack the moral character to not look at other things. And I don't know what to do about it, but keep it. So, so the moral of that story, Justin, is if you don't see me for a while, I probably failed my, uh, my cybersecurity quiz and I'm going to re-education camp. Where they're gonna teach me oh, all about God. it. Yeah. The six oh eight says just do what I do, report everything as, as phishing. <laughs> Normally I just delete everything. Anything that's not directly from um a person I like if Justin emails me or the boss emails me, I'm like, okay, those are good. Which now I just gave uh, people with a phishing scam perfect uh, opportunity to go, well. We know he's an idiot when it comes to Justin and the boss, so we're just going to send him emails. Uh, but this one, I don't even remember what it was about, but, man, it it got me because I was distracted. So there's another danger that they didn't talk about here. If you're distracted at work and you're f- flying through emails, because how many of us do that? You delete, 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 or, or you just, you're just reading through and you don't, you don't quite pay attention, and then, bang, something nutty happens. All right, speaking of something nutty happened, we got to do this. Then something nutty is happening in China. It's WTMJ Nights. More of WTMJ Nights coming up next. I don't know if you are a huge fan of Marvel movies. I know I am. I have uh, I've been a Marvel fan forever. Big news coming out of China today. Oh, we love big news coming out of China. Marvel movies will be returning to theaters in China this year. Woohoo! 
The country has lifted the ban on the studio's film. The reason I bring this up is because most of us don't live in China. Uh, I don't know if any people from China stream the show on WTMJ.com. They should. They should listen live. This is a definitely a show that would bridge the cultural gap. I think it would create uh, diplomatic unity. And uh, so I encourage all people in the Republic of China to uh, listen, or the country of China, to listen. But anyway, there's been a ban in place since 2019 in China against Marvel movies. They never formally said why. Uh, however, some people think, uh, media observers, you know, those media observers, their guess is uh, the result of LGBTQ characters and symbols of U.S. patriotism. Oh, you mean like Captain America? That might be one uh, who is a huge symbol of American patriotism. So that that may be it. But there's no, there's been no official word. China just said no. We're not. There will be no Marvel movies played in China. Uh, so all of the films that play in China are approved or denied by the China Film Administration. It's part of the Chinese Communist Party's propaganda department. Um, so two Marvel films are being allowed to play in China this year. Do you want to take a guess, Justin, as what one of them one of them is? Uh, let's see. Are they two different superheroes? They are two different. They are two different uh, superheroes, all in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, of course. Uh, let's... And these will be new. I'll give you a hint too. They'll be new to newer Marvel releases. Okay. Yeah. So one of the Spider-Man movies. Ooh, no. No? Guess, Interesting. Um, I was going to say Iron Man, but he might be a little not so recent. Is yeah, it one, is it one of like the end games or something like that? You're getting closer. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Okay. okay. And the new one that hasn't come out yet, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Okay, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a Marvel uh, head myself, so interesting. Interesting to hear that. Yeah, I haven't. You know what? I feel I haven't seen Wakanda forever yet. Have you? Did you see that one? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's a, is it good? Yeah, definitely a good one. I All think right, they I came out check. with a one too. It's it's definitely good. You need to watch. Wasn't Wakanda forever the second one? I saw Black Panther. I saw the original yeah, Black yep, Panther. Yep, there it is. Yeah, that was great. And Wakanda uh -huh. forever is the so is so the you, so one. you saw the first. You haven't seen. Yeah, forever I saw the yet. first one. I haven't seen the second. Okay, yeah, and I, I saw the first two Ant Mans. Okay, uh, yeah, there I saw you go. Ant Man. Then I saw Ant Man and the Wasp. Paul Rudd. And now they're coming very close to stealing from the who by calling it Quantumania. But that's neither here nor there. Do you talk to your dogs? If you do, I'll tell you what that means about you. I'll do that after the news because Wyatt Barmore Pooley is in the WTMJ 24-hour newsroom and he's ready to go. We're here till 8. Then... It's time for uh, Brewers Weekly with Dom Catronio. Talking about how I, uh, I mentioned how I got duped when we were talking about our attention spans being uh, down to 47 seconds to be able to stare at a screen and uh, then takes off. And I mentioned that I was duped by our, uh, our fine tech department who sends out these fake emails to see if we're dumb enough to fall for them. And guess who was dumb enough to fall for one? Me, uh, a texter from the 262 says, Brian, same thing happened to me. I came back from a week's vacation, got an email from our company saying, you must change your password now. I had over 200 emails and was not paying attention. Bam, they got me. Yeah, see, we're all distracted. We're all trying to multitask. And I'm listen, I'm, I'm much happier than it was 
it was uh, one of those company sent, you know, traps than an actual phishing email. Because I don't want to be the guy who brings down the whole company by clicking on some link and go, uh-oh, sorry. Yeah, suddenly we're everybody in the station is locked out of their computers. Uh, we're not on the air anymore. Everything's gone just because I wasn't paying attention and clicked on the wrong email. So that is it. I don't know if you have pets, particularly dogs. I am a dog guy. Uh, but this, this relates to all pet owners, whether they have a cat, a rabbit, a ferret, uh, whatever you have. Do you have any pets, Justin? Why don't I know that about you? I do. I, I have a dog, and I've always uh, had cats growing up, so I, I've had both. Now, do you talk to your pets? Oh, of course. Who doesn't? Well, people without a soul, mostly. <laughs> and obviously the less intelligent, because research says that people who have conversations with their pets are highly intelligent. So you and I must be geniuses. Yeah, I mean... I I talk to, I I find myself talking to my dogs more than I really feel I should. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, definitely. <laughs> yeah, some days I'm just like, all right, really, I got to stop talking to these two because uh, they're just they're they're making me nuts. Uh, and I, I think now, like our my mom, if we leave, if we take the dogs over and leave them with my mom for a day or so, she will have complete conversations with the dogs, and she believes that the Dogs understand her and are answering her back. And I know my mom is not the only one who does this. I, th I think our pets can understand us to a certain point because, you know, you have a dog. I have two dogs. They know certain things. They know what sit means. They know, they know their name because I can call them from wherever and they'll come down. So I do think pets understand to a certain point. Now, do I think they understand complex sentences? No, I wish they did. But uh, but they don't. Because I'll be honest, and I don't think I'm alone in this. If my dogs could understand everything I say and talk back to me, I really wouldn't need people. I would be one of those guys who just sat alone with a dog somewhere, talk to the dog, the dog talks back to me, and uh, you know, all my neighbors go, do you, do you see the crazy man next door just talking to his dog? Yeah, I did, but I didn't talk to him because he doesn't like me. So I don't know, Do you do you talk to your dog... And if you do, do you think they understand you? The old National Bank talking text lines, 855-616-1620. Old National Bank, get old. Uh, my One of our dogs, our oldest dog, will sit in front of us and howl and whine. And it, it appears that she's trying to have a conversation with us. She's either upset about something, like if we've been... Uh, gone all day and we come home, she'll sit in front of us and just start screaming. And I do then attribute a human voice to her. And, you know, uh, then I try to translate what she's saying and I make up an entire, entirely different narrative. Now, I don't know why, they, they didn't get into why the research thinks that if you talk to your pet, you're more intelligent. I would think Maybe intelligence wasn't the thing. I would think more empathetic, maybe more in touch with a softer personality because you don't just look at your pet as an animal. You believe them to be part of the family, which they are, and you talk to other members of your family, I guess. Uh, so maybe that's why. But they say, they say it's 
intelligent because maybe maybe because you have to have both sides of the conversation. So you're creating theater in your head. Can I ask the name of your dog, Justin? Yeah, his name is Champ. Champ. All right. Now that is a that's like a traditional dog name. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I like that. No, because that this is one of the things I was wondering. People name my daughter named her dog Walter. Yeah, and okay. it seems to it seems to fit her dog. It's a little Chewini, and he he. I, I know two know, Walters that are dogs. Yeah, yeah. Walter yeah. seems to be a dog name. Sure. We've had we had one dog that was named Max, but that was his name when we adopted him, so we just let mm-hmm. him keep it. Mm-hmm. But that is a people name, and uh, the most of our most of our dogs have had. Not traditional dogs' names like yours, Champ or uh, Fido or something like that, or Spot. Do people even call their dogs Spot anymore? Haven't heard Probably that one not. in a while. Yeah, this is like 1947. Called dog Spot. I would be the kind of guy that if I had a Dalmatian, I'd call him Spot just because I'm lazy. Then I'd go, oh, Spot, get it? He's a Dalmatian. Um, but we have we have one dog now named Gidget, which I it's a people name, but it's a character and then our other dog our other dog has this fancy name lawson but that was again his name when we adopted him so i was like we got to change this dog's name and my wife and daughter were like no 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 we like this name so we're gonna keep it and you know it does it but uh our first dog we named baloo after baloo the bear in jungle book which is my favorite animated movie and he's my favorite character in there so we named our first dog that but uh, people name it was always strange because I never wanted to name a dog a person name you know because as much as I love my dogs they are still dogs and we <laughs> my daughter's name is Molly and we've been out and met people a lot of people with dogs named Molly it's never gone over real well with my daughter. <laughs> oh, what's your dog's name? Molly. And what's your name? Never mind. I don't want to tell you. So I'm not a big I'm not a big person dog name, even though I have, you know, I've had some with people names. I always I always prefer a more dog like name. You know, we named one of our dogs after Snoopy's brother Spike. So that was that. That's kind of, you could use that as a, a person nickname, but it was fine. So there you go. If you're talking to your pets, you are very smart. Congratulations. And I don't mean just yelling at them, telling them to get off the couch or to uh, not have an accident in the house. Yeah, you, you got to tell. They were, uh, my dogs were mad at me today. I'd been out during the day and I came home and they were not happy that they'd been inside all day. They let me know it. I would like to invent a dog translator. I know they had one. I don't know if you saw this on the on. Uh, it was on a bunch of different news shows. There was somebody who invented a pad that they said could translate your dog's thoughts into words, and it was basically just you know the dog being taught that if they hit this one pedal, it would say I need to go out, and if they hit this pedal, it would say I'm very hungry. And, you know, there were about five different pedals on this big pad. And they said, oh, no, see, this means the dog can talk to you. I was like, nah, I don't think so. I, I get the message. You know how I know when my dog needs to go out? He runs to the door. And basically, it's the only time he moves all day. So that's how I know. That's how I know he's got to go. 
we got to take a quick break. And then one of the best seasons of the year is upon us. We must, uh, we must pay homage to it, and we will do that after this on WTMJ Nights. This is WTMJ Nights. Here we go, getting close to wrapping things up because Brewers Weekly comes your way with Don Catronio on the other side of the news. I mentioned that it is one of the finest seasons of the year. Yes, the new Girl Scout cookies are out. The It is time to go. Girl Scout cookie season has begun in the Milwaukee area. If you are not excited about this, you perhaps do not have any heart at all because who doesn't love Girl Scout cookies? Even though, let's be honest, the Girl Scout cookie boxes have gotten smaller and the prices have gone up. But since it's still for a good cause, let's do it. Well, Girl Scout cookie season right around the corner. Uh, they're going to start selling cookies. The Girl Scouts of Wisconsin Southeast, that is, is going to start selling cookies on February 1st. This is very exciting. There is a new cookie in the lineup. You know there is always a buzz in the air when the new cookies are announced. Now, I'm a fan of the classics, but this one... I got to be honest, this one is calling my name. It's called the Raspberry Rally. It's a thin, crispy cookie infused with raspberry flavor, dipped in the same chocolate coating as the Thin Mint. Who doesn't love a Thin Mint? I, I, I dare you to say you don't like a Thin Mint, because something, something is definitely wrong with you, if that's the case. Uh, the cookie is, this cookie is going to be only available online. It's like a Nike sneaker drop. You can only get these special cookies online. <laughs> That's too much. That's too much pressure for me. They're going to be shipped directly to the houses of the people who order them if you can get through. All other Girl Scout cookie uh, favorites are going to be back. Thin mints, peanut butter sandwiches, caramel delights, lemonades. They don't mention my favorite, the Samoas. Those are the ones with the coconut. That's my favorite Girl Scout. Do you have a favorite Girl Scout cookie, Justin? Ugh, not. Re- I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I'm not really a cookie guy to begin with. My, uh, what? I think the th- I think the thin mint kind is what my brother and my mom really really like. I can't think of what it is, but they used to be uh, cookie heads for sure when they would come around knocking on our doors. Wow, can I can I explore this for a moment? I have never met a person who doesn't like cookies. I'm not a I'm not a sweets guy in general. It's just I don't really? know. Yeah, just cookies, okay. uh cakes, I don't know, all that all that stuff. Don't like any of those. Chocolate, uh uh-uh. uh. What do you like? Celery for dessert? <laughs> yeah, right. Birthday parties were not uh enjoyable because it was pizza <laughs> and cake and I'm not a big pizza guy either, so I was sitting there starving. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Now what if what if you had a birthday party? What'd you serve? Uh, let's see. What did we do? What'd you serve your friends if oh, they we, came over we, expecting well, pizza we, and we cake? We did the same thing, just uh, make sure everyone else was happy. Because I don't know, I didn't really care about myself. But um, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I what did you serve at your birthday party? I'm, I'm like I served to what think. everybody else liked. I didn't care if I was unhappy. I think wow, we, Eeyore. I think we got like uh, it was a, just a lot of snacks on the table. You know, they always have like the pretzels, goldfish, or something like that. So sure. that's where that's where I was living. I was uh, elbow deep in the goldfish while everyone was eating cake. <laughs> All right, so they would your your mom would serve a cake for your birthday party, even though you didn't like cake. Yeah, we would do like cupcakes or a cake or something. I don't know. I could I couldn't be the the kid that no one would sing to it. Like I, I would blow <laughs> out the candle, but I wasn't eating the cake. <laughs> that's true. You don't want to go back to school uh you know 
the Monday after your birthday party. No, I need, people I need talking a birthday about you. Oh, there's, there's yeah. a kid who can't live at die, can't eat cake, doesn't <laughs> want to eat cake. What a weirdo, doesn't eat pizza. We're not going to his birthday party again. Uh, wow. I am. I like the Samoas, and I love the old school uh, peanut butter sandwiches. Those are my two. Because I am, it is my downfall. I am a sweets guy. I I am all about cook cookies more so than cake and that kind of stuff. If I could eat cookies and ice cream, those are my two. Those are my two go-to sweets that mm-hmm. I just I love. So when Girl Scout cookie time comes around, my wife said she ordered some, but I don't think she ordered enough. So I'm hoping. I don't. I don't think my nieces are Girl Scouts, but I gotta get a connection to a Girl Scout, which sounds weird, and I don't mean it in any way other than I want to get some cookies. My daughter, when she was a Girl Scout, this was bad. Like now, my wife was complaining that all the Girl Scouts are selling their cookies online instead of going around from house to house, which I get for a safety concern. I get that. My daughter, when she was selling Girl Scout cookies, was a lunatic. She wanted to sell the most cookies in her troop every year. And she would go out for hours and hours with my wife or I in tow, and she would walk the neighborhoods. She would go to other neighborhoods. They did the thing where they'd set up a table outside the grocery store. Um, when we were living in California and she was a brownie and a daisy, My she would solicit sales from all her uncles and her grandparents and everybody, and they would be ordering from all over. And they used to do this thing. I think they still do. Like my brothers would always order from my daughter, but they didn't want the cookies. So there's a program where you can then send those cookies to the troops. So my brothers would like be, yeah, give me give me 10 boxes, 20 boxes, and just send them to the troops. So my daughter was racking them up. Thin mints and the peanut butter patties. Not sure if that's the correct name. I know what you mean, though. The cookie with the peanut butter, then all covered in chocolate. That's, uh, there you go. Uh, from the 414, I think it varies between what part of the country you're in, but I do believe that the Caramel Delights and the Samoas are basically the same thing. Oh, that could be. All right, I'll have to check. I love the Samoas. Um, let's do this. We have a couple more. Well, I'll do them right. We have some more texts going back to the dog thing. Uh, about talking to your dogs and can your dogs understand you. From the 262, I think dogs understand their owner's intent and current emotional state and understand, these are all in quotes, certain familiar sounds but not language. Uh, For example, my late dog was taught to go to her kennel when I commanded kennel, but by accident I discovered that any word heard anywhere with an embedded N sound, like 10, would send her looking confused for her kennel if it weren't within reach. And I heard that, I mentioned that one of our dogs, I wanted to change its name. So I talked to a good friend of mine, and he's been on the show many times, Steve Dale. He's a pet behavioral specialist. And I said, can, you know, this dog's a couple years old. Can we change his name? And he said, yes, you can change the name, but come up with a name that sounds similar to the old name. So that lends credence to this texter's uh, thought that they... They understand just the sounds. And uh, from the 262, growing up in Aaron in the 70s, we had a beagle named Banjo and a bloodhound named Judge, as in here comes the judge. Love it. All right, let's do this. Then we got to start wrapping things up. But, oh, you can go to girlscoutcookies.org rather, or text cookies to 59618 to get, uh, to get cookies. And if you're ordering, you can grab me a box of those raspberry rallies if you're online. And um, then send Justin about four boxes of cookies just to taunt him. <laughs> 
if they have a vegetable flavored cookie, send it to uh, send it to Justin. Or someday they'll come out with like a salty cookie. Well, I guess a salty cookie would be a cracker. I like the sugar cookies. Chip. Sugar cookies aren't too bad. All right, you, all right, just a regular old sugar cookie. Yeah, like a little plain Jane cookie. Yeah, I like nothing the sugar wrong ones. with a, a good sugar cookie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you think of like a uh, what do they call the uh, like a butter cookie? Yeah, sure. I probably I'll probably scarf that down. I don't know. Like if a I've shortbread ever had one. butter cookie. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll find something. And if not, listen. You can have all the savory snacks, and I'll have all the sweet snacks. There you but go. But either way, we're gonna do this on WTMJ Nights. Don't go anywhere. More WTMJ Nights coming up. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of the program for all the text messages tonight. I will talk to you again tomorrow night at six. Thanks, Justin, for all your help. The Brewers Weekly with Dominic Catronio comes up after the news here on WTMJ.